Hello, New Frontiers Church. This is Daniel Baker. If you don't know me, my wife Natalie and I were sent out by New Frontiers Church almost four years ago now, and we've been living in Muscat, Oman, in the Arabian Peninsula. We are really excited to be back for a holiday for the next couple of weeks during the month of July, and hopefully we'll get to see a lot of you in person. Maybe we've seen some of you already. And I really consider it a great honor to be able to bring a word to the church. Uh, it's going to be simple and from the heart and just more of a, a message that God's been really speaking to Natalie and I over the last couple of months. And I hope it's an encouragement to you all. Um, a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago now, I was walking down the street in Muscat with Natalie and I was really struck, I felt impressed by the story of Jonah. And I said to Natalie, wow, isn't the story of Jonah such a powerful picture of God's grace, the way that God had grace to redeem Jonah, even in his disobedience, the way that God showed grace on the people of Nineveh, and he chose not to destroy the city. And for some reason, we really felt like there was a lot of uh, parallels between the story and actually our own life circumstances at the time. So I shared this with Ian and come to find out, actually, the church was already planning to go through the book of Jonah over the month of July. And I, I hadn't been aware of that. So we consider that uh, some confirmation that there is uh, and, and just a real encouragement that uh, the spirit is speaking to his body, he's speaking to his church, even across large, long distances, whether it's here in New Hampshire or in the Arabian Peninsula, the spirit unites us and speaks to us as one body. And that's an encouraging thing to see. So I'll jump right into it. Um, we'll start by just going over the story of Jonah together. And I'll tell that now. So here's the story from the Lord God's word. In the days of the kingdom of Israel, there was a prophet named Jonah. And one day God spoke to Jonah saying, go to the city of Nineveh, that great city, and prophesy against it for its sin and its wickedness has come up before me. But instead of obeying God, Jonah chose to run as far as he could in the opposite direction. He ran as far as he could on land, and when he hit water, he took a boat, and he sailed west to Tarshish. Well, while Jonah was on board, a great storm came over the sea, and it threatened to break up the ship and to destroy everyone's lives that were on board. And the sailors that were there, they began to cry out to their gods, because they sensed that this was not some regular storm. This was an act of God, and there was some divine purpose behind it. Uh, this whole time, as the sailors were crying out to their gods, Jonah was asleep in the belly of the ship. So the captain, he came down eventually, and he shook Jonah, and he woke him up saying, what are you doing? Can't you see that we're about to perish? Pray to your God. Maybe he is able to save us. And after these things, the sailors, they cast lots to try to figure out who was the source of all this trouble. And the lots fell on Jonah. So the sailors, they asked Jonah, who are you? Where are you from? 
and where are you going? And Jonah said, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of the heaven, who made the land and the sea. The Lord sent me on a journey to preach to the Ninevites, but I've chosen to run away from the Lord. And when they heard this, the sailors, they were, they were terrified because they feared the power of God that they saw demonstrated all around them. So the sailors asked Jonah, what should we do? And Jonah said, it's better that I should die. So go ahead, cast me into the sea. Now the sailors, they didn't want to kill an innocent man. They didn't want to kill Jonah. So they did everything they could to rescue the ship in their lives. They were doing their best to row the ship back to shore. But after a while, it was evident that there was no way they were going to beat this storm. So when it was clear that there was no more options, they prayed, Lord God, forgive us for killing this innocent man's life and don't hold his blood against us. And then they threw him into the sea. And as soon as Jonah entered the water, the sea became calm again. And these men, these sailors, they feared the Lord and they sacrificed to him and they offered vows. Now, as soon as Jonah entered the sea, God commanded a great fish to come and to eat him. And for three days and three nights, Jonah was in the belly of the great fish. Now, while Jonah was being taken down into the water, he began to pray and cry out to God. And he said, I'm driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters close in over me to take my life. The deep surrounds me. Weeds are wrapped about my head. I go down to the land whose bars close upon me forever. Yet you bring my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And after three days and three nights, the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Noah, sorry, Jonah, out onto the dry land. Then God spoke to Jonah a second time saying, go to Nineveh and preach the message that I will give to you. So Jonah, this time he obeyed God and he went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh, it was a great city. It was the capital city and it was, it was massive. It would take a three days journey to complete a visit there. On the first day after Jonah had entered the city, he proclaimed this message to the people. 40 days more and Nineveh will be overturned. Despite Jonah's very simple message, the people repented and they believed God. From the greatest to the least of them, they repented. They put on sackcloth and they covered their heads in ashes and they began to fast and to seek the Lord. And even the king of the land, who had been a wicked man, he took off his royal robes and he made a decree that all the people should stop their wicked ways and should seek the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for the land. When God saw what they had done, that they had turned from their evil ways, he had compassion on them and he did not destroy them like he had threatened. 
But when Jonah saw this, he was very angry. And he said, didn't I say this when I was still home? And isn't this why I ran away to Tarshish? I knew that you're gracious. I knew you're compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who relents from calamity. Now, Lord, just kill me. It is better for me to die than to keep living. But the Lord responded to Jonah. Do you, Jonah, have any right to be angry? After this, Jonah, he went outside the city and he waited. He made himself a shelter and he uh, sat there waiting to see what would happen to Nineveh. After this, God, he sent a plant. It was a, like a vine that grew up over Jonah to protect him from the sun and the wind. And Jonah was very happy about this plant. But the next day, God sent uh, a worm and it came and it ate the plant and it ruined it. And then all that day, the wind beat against Jonah and the sun bore down on his head until it was scorched and he was exhausted. And again, Jonah said to God, it is better for me to die than to keep living. And God asked Jonah, do you have any right to be angry about the vine? And Jonah said, yes, yes, I do. I am angry enough to die. But God said to him, you're angry about the vine that you didn't make grow and that you didn't plant and it sprang up and it withered in just one day. But Nineveh is a great city with many people inside. There are people living without guidance who can't tell their right hand from their left. Should I, their creator, not be concerned about this great city? And that is the story from the Lord God's word. This is a great story. And many of us are familiar with the story of Jonah, maybe from Sunday school. And a lot of times we, we hear it, we think primarily about the, the, the part with Jonah being swallowed by the great fish. But actually there's so much more about this story and there's so much that could be said. And like I said before, uh, I'm not gonna try to cover all of the depth of this amazing book. What I, I wanna look at is a message from it that God has been speaking to me personally and I feel that he's leading me to encourage you all with. So uh, when we read through the Bible, we see that it's actually one big story. From Genesis to Revelation, there is a big story. And actually, we are a part of that story. It's the story of human history. But within the story, within the Bible, we find uh, many smaller stories. And those stories, sometimes they're like micro, micro summaries of the big story. Because we see many themes in the big story repeated again and again and again. There's many themes in human history that repeat, repeat again and again and again. So Jonah is like one of these stories that in just those four or five minutes, we can uh, get a summary of what has been going on since the beginning of time. We can see a summary of the big story of God's grace and his redemption. We can see a story that uh, tells us something of the brokenness, uh, something of what is wrong with ourselves and what is wrong with the world and what God is choosing to do about it. Uh, recently, I've been reading a book 
by uh, uh, a uh, um, Orthodox priest named Alexander Schmemann. The book's called For the Life of the World. And in that book, he really looks at the idea that we as humans, we're created with an innate hunger. In the Genesis creation story, we see that God created Adam and Eve and that he provided food for them. He provided plants and vegetables and all sorts of good food and there was water and it was a beautiful place. Their sustenance, their life source was provided for them by God. And ultimately God, he stood in the garden with man and woman to be the source of life for all humanity. And this life was no ordinary life. This is life to the fullest. This is uh, life as it is meant to be. God said about this creation and about this life that it is very good. There is no wrong. There is no shade of darkness in it. And this orientation of receiving life from God, it's relational. We as humans, we were created by God to be recipients of his loving relationship. He would be our source of life and we would reciprocate that relationship with thanksgiving. Uh, Shemaiman talks about how humanity was created first and foremost, not to be homo sapiens, but homo adorians. We are created to be those who worship and those who are thankful. So at the heart of understanding the big story is understanding this initial orientation of hungering for God, receiving life from him, and reciprocating in worship. Understanding this relationship and being oriented towards God in this way, this is the proper biblical representation of what reality is. Life around us right now is broken. Most of us, we have a heart sense that says, oh, this is not as it should be. When there's death and there's sickness and the evil we see around us, we say, this is not as it should be. And that's true. That's because this world around us today is fallen and broken. It is not the truest reality. It is not that which God initially intended for us. It's not his best for us. So it's our human telos. It's our human purpose in life to live in this orientation towards God, this uh, reciprocal uh, position of hungering, eating, adoring, that we find our fullest and truest human life. And it's really this uh, big story, the big story of the Bible and the big story of human history, that's all about us being in that place, drifting from that place, and being redeemed or brought back to that place. Just saying in, in the Garden of Eden, we see that Adam and Eve, their orientation, it becomes distorted. Instead of looking to God as their source of life, they become tempted by the idea of constructing a life of their own, one in which they would possess control and power over themselves, uh, over their own knowledge and their actions, it's this turning away from God, this act of disobedience. Uh, sorry, it's, it's through this turning away from God and this disobedience that we see uh, the proper relationship for humanity with God as our source of light and life and grace. We see that relationship broken through that disobedience. But 
hallelujah, God has not chosen to leave humanity in this broken state. Ever since the creation was cursed, God has been at work to redeem us and to restore us to the reality of loving, gracious, gracious reciprocal relationship. The Father is calling his children back to himself. So as we read through the big story that we find from Genesis to Revelation, we see the same scenario being repeated again and again. And this is where we come to the story of Jonah. Jonah heard the call of God to preach to the Ninevites, but he was scared and he was angry. And so he decided to run. He wanted to take control of his own life instead of looking to God and trusting him. He chose to try to take control of his own destiny. Just like Adam and Eve, his gaze turned away from God and onto himself. Jonah was trying to save his own life, but choosing not to trust God was actually an act of death for him. Just like it was an act of death for Adam and Eve. But even with this disobedience, God chooses to show mercy and grace to Jonah. God knew that the only true source of life for Jonah would be found in himself, found in the Father. If Jonah could turn to God, to depend and to say yes, to walk in faithfulness towards God, he would be living in accordance with the truest good for him, the truest reality, the fullness of life. We see in the story that even as God shows his grace towards Jonah, calling him back, raising him to life again, Jonah doesn't spontaneously respond with thankfulness. Actually, Jonah's effort appears quite half-hearted. We can even say it was a pitiful performance. In Hebrew, his message to the Ninevites was only five words. But even in Jonah's weakness, God chose to use him. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that a word of grace for us? Even in Jonah's weakness, God chose to use him. It is through this weak character who God has shown mercy to and called back into alignment with himself that God chose to show mercy and grace to the whole city of Nineveh. God was going to destroy the city, but the people, they repented, and so God relented. This is amazing. Even in this, Jonah's heart, we see in the story, he's still uh, not aligned with God the Father's. He becomes angry that God hasn't destroyed the people, that he hasn't judged the people. He says, why did you even bring me here? I've always known you're merciful. I always knew you would do it again. Uh, such a strange heart to have, a hardened heart. But we are like that sometimes. And God, he's choosing to draw us back into himself and he continues to show us mercy. And he uses us miraculously and it's a testimony to God's grace and his his power the loving father is using all of this as a lesson for Jonah he's calling him back he's leading him gently into a proper perception of reality God wants Jonah to understand that only God can be the center of all life we as humans we're hungry beings our loving father feeds us sustains us causes us to live through his very life. And this is what he's trying to bring Jonah back into. We've all been like Jonah. We've turned away from the source of life. We've lived 
life for our own sake. We've tried to pry power and control from God, and we've attempted, like Adam and Eve, and uh, to become like God. But doing so is a distortion of reality. Things are not meant to be this way, and it's not for our good. Separation from God, it's death to us. And so the loving Father has pursued us since the beginning of time to set all things right. Our loving Father was gracious to Adam and Eve. He was gracious to Jonah. He was gracious to the Ninevites. And he's extending the same grace to you and me. He wants to call us back into the fullest life possible for us. As he reveals himself, he is gently reorienting our eyes to look back to him. He's taking us on a journey. He's telling us a story. He's teaching us that we must depend on him for everything, every minute of every day. He is the source of life, light, and grace for us, life to the fullest. I want to ask a question now. Do you feel like Jonah? Have you been trying to turn away from the voice of God calling to you? Today, the Father wants you to look to him. He wants you to taste and to see that he is good. And in his presence, there is fullness of life. Do you want to drink from the well that causes rivers of living water to bubble up inside? God is calling out, I know you are hungry, come and eat. I know you are thirsty, come and drink. I know you are tired, come and rest. I will be your home, I will be your hope. All of humanity has been faithless towards God, but he has shown his love to us in this, that he has sent his son to rescue us. Another Jonah has come, one who makes everything right. A Jonah who was raised from the dead on the third day proclaiming victory over death and the curse of human disillusionment. He has given his body for food, as food for us. He brings us living water. He is our source of life. He is grace for us. That's my message today. I hope it's an encouragement. Let's look to God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ as sources of grace. Let's look at the big story of the Bible and let's look at the life of Jonah and just rest in the amazing fact that God is gracious, what he has done. One, that he's created us and that after that, in the midst of our failure and our brokenness, in our turning away from him and our disobedience, he has loved us so much that he has made a way to call us back into relationship with himself back into the truest reality and the greatest good for us. This is the lavish grace of God.